0: Hi, I'm Christy Hurt, the founder of The CoLab, which is a member-led, inclusive global networking community for fashion, beauty, wellness, retail, and consumer luxury professionals. Every week, two members interview each other, so you'll get to hear two different stories. I hope you'll learn from these stories, listen to them, share them, and join us and tell your own story.
1: Welcome to The CoLab Career Stories Podcast. My name is Tia Tappan. Hello, everyone. And I am interviewing the incredibly sharp and talented Josanta Gray-Omegano, founder of RayScale Media, Um, and she's based in Los Angeles, correct?
0: Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be collaborating with you on this to just give the people a little taste of what we work on in beauty.
1: Yes, absolutely. So I wanted to um, also give you... a. Chance to elaborate on the uh, more of what your your past role was. I see that you were, you know, the AKA you're the Olivia Pope of beauty. <laughs> you can explain and elaborate more. Give the people more of what that what that means.
0: Yes. So for those not familiar, currently I'm the founder and CEO of Grayscaled Media, which is a boutique brand management firm that specializes in helping small business owners gain access to major retailers across the country. So if you have a product-based business and you've dreamed of having your product on shelves in Sephora or Target, I'm able to walk you through that process, um, and hopefully help you secure the shelf space that you deserve. A lot of time there is a major learning curve, especially for women-owned and black-owned businesses to getting that shelf space. So I really try to take the time to educate the brands that I work with on, like, hey, this is what they mean by a chargeback. You know, this is what they mean by EDI, and all of these different buzzwords that you know in the beginning can kind of suck the fun out of the excitement of launching with a retailer um just because you're overwhelmed by you're overwhelmed by the blessing and you're overwhelmed by what you don't know
1: that's true that's very true that's amazing to have um a liaison if you will someone who can uh navigate help a new entrepreneur navigate that uh very exciting but daunting experience at the same time so that's awesome okay well where did you Grow up and where
0: do you go to, to school? Yeah, so I grew up in Chicago, uh, in uh, the suburbs, like right out, honestly, down the street from O'Hare Airport. At the time when I was there, it wasn't necessarily a super diverse um, neighborhood. Like I was, I feel like I was one of the first few black families in the area. So having to overcome wow. and uh, create certain spaces for myself w- was hard in the beginning, but. Um, left Chicago and decided to go to school in LA. I went to USC. I graduated with a degree in broadcast and digital journalism, and then later got a master's in communication management and. Honestly, I I ended up in L.A. because when you think about where do you want to go to school, I didn't want any place with snow. So that took out half the country. Um, So it left me only with a few options. I specifically remember there being a terrible snowstorm my junior year in high school. And Mm -hmm. I asked my parents to call me out of advisory like, oh, you know, the roads are bad. You know, give me can I you know, take my time getting to school? And they were like, don't be late. The shovel's next to the door what? <laughs> I was like, okay, so when it comes to college, I will not be uh, having to fight the elements and the snow. Right. Uh, please take me to SoCal.
1: <laughs> yes, shout out to USC. I started to enroll in an ABA program there, but we'll talk about that another time. But anyways, so would you choose to go somewhere else, like an HBCU or any other school?
0: No, I, I really did enjoy my experience at USC. Um, the uh, I, I guess the setup when it came to journalism specifically, I did feel it was a little dated. Like this is when I'm in school, this is kind of early Instagram or Instagram's not really super relevant. Twitter's like the, the app of the moment. And they're still kind of preaching, oh, if you want to be on the news, you have to move to a small market and work your way up. And I just, me coming from Chicago, I live in LA now. I had a couple internships in New York. I was very much so a city girl. So I could not think of like, oh, you want me to go to like Kansas? And like, where am I going to get my hair done? Um, <laughs> what, I, I don't, I, this doesn't make sense. We have all this new social media. Like I could go take my phone, go to a red carpet and like report on,
1: you know, stuff that's happening around me. Right, right but you never did you move at all during your career? I guess you you did move. But you went to New York. How long were you there? And what prompted that move?
0: Well, New York was mainly internships during college. So I, I had two summer internships in New York. But I honestly, the thought of living in New York long term after graduation scared me. New York is such <laughs> a big city. The the hustle and bustle. I had my tribe in L.A. Again, could not fathom and contemplate you want me to walk to the train in the snow and then get on yes. the train that potentially might not have heat or during the summer a train that doesn't have ACE. like I just yeah call, call it bougie if you want but I was just thinking through I I could I don't feel like I could be successful with this setup
1: <laughs> mm. those are real things to think about and I never thought about there not being um air conditioning in the subway car like i never hmm. i know, cause you oh. just moved there, just moved there. <laughs> right and i'm like you know it's been relatively cold pretty much since i've been there so um it's been warm on this subway train but i never thought about summertime when it's uh, supposed to be getting muggy so i'm <laughs> really looking forward to that um the possibility of not being air like i don't i don't know how that's going to turn out so yeah good luck <laughs> right <laughs> So then how did you get started in your career?
0: So in- this is actually a great um, moment. So when I um, finished journalism at USC, I actually had went to New York for a career. It was like a career fair for uh, a company that I had kind of been working with before. And I was going through not even a quarter life crisis. I was, probably wasn't even, was a 22 maybe at the time? Um, mm-hmm. And realized <laughs> I didn't necessarily want to be a full-on journalist. Um, when you think about the news, it's it's such a heavy subject. And yeah. I had done a couple of stories, like in the investigative unit of um, the various places that I had worked, and had done a story on a woman who was HIV positive, and oh, wow. she. Had told me oh i had asked her specifically how does your family deal with the fact that you know you're hiv positive and what like what effects has this had on your family and she's like oh they don't know and i was like but oh th- this is gonna be on the news <laughs> yeah it's gonna be reported like it's this isn't just going into like the local my local um college paper like anything that i tried to work on for school i tried to give to um whether it's a local newspaper or someone that I work with where it's actually shared. And she was like, yeah, oh I want to use your article as like my point of coming out to my family and telling them that I've had this diagnosis because they thought she, I guess had cancer or something. When I tell you that pulled at my heartstrings and I went out to my car and I boo cried. I just yeah. couldn't, take, I couldn't take that weight. And I was like, this is actually what every day might be like. You have to report on, disasters and negative things that are happening in the world 24 seven. So I had like a little crisis of what am I going to do? How am I going to pivot? Mm. Um, and went to New York for this career fair and ended up actually sitting in front of a recruiter for CAA and, Wow. <laughs> at the time, I kind of, he was inviting me to participate in the internship program. But at that point, mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm going to graduate. Like, I don't want to do another internship. I'm over it. Like, I want to be paid. So I really wasn't taking the opportunity seriously at first. I was thinking, okay, I'll sign up for it. And then if I get an, a job, then I'll send him an email, Grace, right. you saying, you know, thank you for the support, but I'm going to have to bow out. Well, Newsflash didn't get a job. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I had to show up for that internship, and that was the beginning of my, my pivot. I started at CA as an intern and then um, was eventually hired on as a floater and worked my way up to being an agent in the licensing
1: department. What a journey. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is so inspirational. I'm like, wow, okay. Um, Trajectory is, is just, whew. and pretty fast too. It seems. Yeah, like and it's I, I, I made a lot time. of, I I think some
0: of parts of my career think oftentimes when we speak to people about their journey, we're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Like, how did you do that? And some parts of it are legit, not some parts, all parts of it are legitimately just God and being at the right place and right time. Because like I said, I didn't necessarily take the opportunity seriously at first. I thought, Oh, by the time this comes, you know, internships start June, July, I graduated in May. I'm thinking, Oh, I'm going like real employment opportunities are going to present itself where I get a salary. But nothing did. So I had to, I had to pay rent somehow as a new graduate, even if it's on this like, you know, small intern, our internship hourly pay and was able to, you know, prove myself, walk through the correct doors and move forward and and really fell in love with what I was doing there. I, I was kind of an anomaly when it came to that particular Internship class because I feel like everybody There wanted to be in motion picture Everyone there wanted to be in television They wanted all of the legacy mm-hmm. businesses And I was sitting there like look the last movie I'm seeing might have been a Tyler Perry film so oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't belong um, In these particular Departments like I'm not a huge I don't go to the movies a lot TV's like my my place Like, I'm a reality TV junkie I watch a lot of drama series Same. <laughs> um so I was like I don't I don't belong here. Put me someplace where we're going to talk about brands and where we're going to talk about how we build businesses. And oh, I had no idea work. that the licensing department existed and was able to work on a lot of cool properties and helping you know, the celebrities come up with their, their passion projects. We, we know them for their films and, and all of that. But oftentimes they do have like Jessica Alba and Honest Company, Bethany Frankel mm-hmm. and Skinny Girl. They have these, these passion projects and businesses that they want to launch. So that, that's the fun stuff that I got to work on.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, too. Could you name some of the, you know, uh, projects you worked on uh, while you're working at Creative Artists Agency Uh, I think you touched a little bit on that, but I do want to see how did you, um, how did the beauty bakery, if you can talk about that, how did you, how did that happen?
0: Yeah. So Beauty Bakery came about because while I was at the agency, um, I Gabby Douglas had basically said, you know, I want to work in this space. And a lot of people know Gabby Douglas for being this amazing Olympian and gymnast. She's such a sweetheart. And I enjoyed working with her and still kind of connected with her and her family to this day and wanted to be known for more than just her leotards and Nikes. And at the time... Beauty Baker had reached out, you know, wanting to do a brand partnership and licensing deal, uh, with with a talent to continue their their growth and their marketing awareness. And I pitched Gabby, and it worked. And there were so many synergies just between the founders and like Gabby and her her mom and, and their particular history. And we all kind of under like it, it was amazing because on my end we have a black agent, which there's not that many black agents at these major right. agencies. I'm working with a um, person of color, a black person, when it comes to the talent that I'm pitching. Again, uh, rosters are kind of all over the place. And then n- not on top of that, it's a black owned brand. So it was just like, we all recognize the, the magic that was happening in the room yeah. of like this. So tri- much black girl magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, legitimately. So uh, that that's honestly through working with Gabby and Beauty Bakery, we all established a really close relationship. Uh, And through that partnership, they kind of approached me about coming on board as their chief operating officer. And so I uh, went ahead and made the jump. And that's also where I officially was dubbed the Olivia Pope, where internally, uh, if things were broken or needed to be fixed, they were sent my way. Wow.
1: Work. (laughs) Work Okay. So has your career path been linear? Seems like there have obviously been some pivots, but I guess they're obviously aligned pivots too. So did you ever go in an unexpected direction? Is any of this unexpected? Did you ever see yourself think- working in the BD space when you were pursuing journalism? I think it's
0: all been somewhat unexpected because in my mind, if I actually think back to what it is i wanted to accomplish when i was in college i had said okay i, I thought i wanted to be uh, a journalist or a newscaster but always had said okay if i'm going to be an anchor then after a few years i think i would want to transition to the business side um, where i would want to work behind the scenes and creating opportunities for others so to a certain extent no i didn't see the niche of beauty ar- arising obviously i have a passion for it i already am avid consumer of various products. Um, But the keynotes or the footnotes that I had put into place in college for what I thought my career would look like kind of have come to fruition. I I have had opportunities where I've had to go on the news and represent uh, various brands that I work with, done various podcasts, and really have positioned myself as a thought leader in beauty and in retail. So Mm -hmm. it's come to fruition in, in different ways. But every jump that I've made has made sense and has prepared me for the the next role. And so when I started Grayscale Media, it really is a culmination of everything that I love to work on. Like I specialize in working with fashion and beauty clients. I, I help them do the retail partnerships and retail launches. I still do work on brand partnerships and licensing deals. So it's literally everything that I loved from my previous careers and jobs built all into one.
1: Amazing. Okay. So I know you touched on the job or the, the, the news assignment before um, when you were pursuing a career uh, being a news anchor, but was there any other job that was completely wrong for you during in the course of your journey?
0: That's a great question. I think for jobs that were completely wrong for me, I think back to my early years when I tried to... This is like one of the first jobs I ever, ever had. I was like a telemarketer where I had to make calls and I forget (laughs) what I was selling. And it was absolutely... I made it a week and I had to quit. Um, I just could not deal with people hanging up on me. And then there were some people who... I think on purpose were saying like certain people had passed away just to like make me feel shitty about, oh my calling God. <laughs> them. And, you know, I'm just a teenager trying to do my job on this like little minimum wage. So that one did not absolutely work mm-hmm. out for me um, where I was terrible at. And there are, I can't say most of the things that I've tried to apply myself to, even mm-hmm. if they're not quote unquote, what I do from a day to day, there's aspects or skill sets that I've taken from those um, mm-hmm. that I use today. Like I, I used to say early on that I wanted to be a lawyer and still, honestly, sometimes feel, think, I don't want to say I have I regret, can see that. <laughs> I definitely feel like I, I might've missed a calling of going to law school, but I got <laughs> scared actually in college. I took a, um, a calm law class and just the gray areas, no pun intended of law and, <laughs> a bunch of other things that happened in that class, I was like, eh, I don't know if this is for me, but I actually thoroughly enjoy reading contracts, which is weird.
1: <laughs> well, you, and you, I guess you do, well, I'm not completely sure, but you can correct me if I'm wrong here. When you're brokering these licensing deals though, there's a bit of, you know, lawyer speak in that, right? Exactly. I, mean, I don't know. Okay. But you yeah, I guess you kind of do still get the lawyer fix. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if what is the pivot? Like, are you, is business law or, you know, that type of a uh, service something that grayscale media would offer?
0: I mean, I, I think right now, because I do, I get very involved in the partnerships and things that I work on on behalf of my clients. Like if they have lawyers, Um, of course, I work in tandem with their lawyers to review any contracts, but I read them myself and I redline them and I highlight notes. Um, So some of them feel like it's an extra layer of like, well, I know she's going to look at and catch it. And then I have um, lawyers who can write the actual legalese. Um, I'm Mm -hmm. just great at like pulling out the the red flags, but I don't think there's any pivot where it's like, I'm going to offer certain legal or law services (laughs) because one, I don't want to go and have that price tag of whatever it costs to (laughs) be accredited to do that. So
1: I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm good with where I'm at now. It sounds I mean, you're doing a lot of amazing, uh, amazing work across the board. Um, I know that Grayscale Media does help to get uh, beauty brands into stores. Can you, Can you talk about some of the brands that you've worked with that you have gotten into stores and which ones?
0: Yes. So brands that I've worked with to date, um, I have a wonderful hair brand that uh, hair tools company that I work with called Cosmology. They just recently launched in Urban Outfitters in about 40 of their stores nationwide. Um, There are there's a. CBD wellness, well, beauty wellness company by the name of Frigg that I've worked with. They just launched in the detox market, which is like a clean beauty retailer. And similarly, there's a skincare brand that I've worked with by the name of Folk Beauty. Uh, they just launched in Credo and have a bunch of other like major retailers that are uh, in the works. I'm just blown away. <laughs>
1: I'm like, this woman is awesome. <laughs> so amazing and integral well, I
0: appreciate all of your support you've always been uh, an advocate of mine and so I always appreciate that you support and likewise uh, you know, I try to do what I can for you as well
1: <laughs> absolutely um so what are you there's so many things you'd be proud about of your career so I don't know if you can pick this one but what are you most proud of in your career oh. so far
0: what am I most proud of in my career? That is actually a very, very hard question. <laughs> and I struggle. I'll be transparent in saying I struggle with this question because I do feel like, look, right now I'm I'm 31 years old and I've accomplished a lot, and so yes. I think I get in my head a little of like, have I plateaued in life? Like, where where else can I go? Like I've done I've done quite a few cool things here and there um but i don't know what else you know like what where else is god going to take me on this journey um so i think thus far maybe what i'm most proud of is me stepping out and starting my own business because that That's hard to do. A lot of people will start businesses simultaneously while they're working their nine to five. And I just kind of jumped in and, and mm. took the leap of faith uh, and took all of the signs that, you know, God gave me beforehand, where literally I was sitting there thinking about like, okay, if I start this business, here's like a couple of people I might want to reach out to. Didn't reach out to them, wow. didn't do anything. I sat, all, I sat on all of the ideas I had. And then I woke up one morning to a text message from that person that I said I was going to reach out to. And oh, with that. yeah, there was, and there was no reason for her to reach out to me, but what she had reached out about, she there, she had other contacts that she could have went to. So it was kind of like, okay, God, I I see, I see mm-hmm. what you're saying. I need to move forward and just, you know, kick myself in, into gear. So I think thus far I'm super proud of myself for um, working on this business for two years now. And despite being in a pandemic, um, being able to yes. still grow and you know have new learnings at this time. What
1: would you do differently if you could start over?
0: Hmm. I can't say I would do anything differently. I mean, well, everything in my career has kind of catapulted me into like, oh, okay. Obviously, I started working at CAA. Didn't get the the job that I had wanted straight out of college. Beauty Bakery happened just organically. Me starting grayscale happened really organically. There were no moments where I could go back and say, "Oh, I, I want this rewritten," because it, like it was, this is what the opportunity was. Like it was right in front of me.
1: I love it. You just basically just followed the divine path.
0: Yes, I I try to do that. So, I, and I oftentimes get very, as I say, I get very overwhelmed by my blessings. Where I'm
1: like, how do I do it all? I'm just me. <laughs> yes, and and it's also even following the divine path, even though it's designed to be easier, and you know, because it's literally guided. It that's hard too, because usually whatever we're following is is a is uncharted territory, and there's no blueprint. <laughs> you know, it's very scary. It is overwhelming. So you know, uh, following a a guided path is not always uh, easy, you know, Mm -hmm. especially if you've never... So even getting over that fear is amazing and an accomplishment in and of itself. So you're killing it. So, okay, well, what was your... Do you have any big failures? I mean, what was your biggest failure or lesson learned? And how did you... How did it play out?
0: Oh, I have plenty of failures and, and lessons learned. Like, I actually am a really big proponent of people sharing their mistakes and lessons because I feel like it's someone else's survival guide. So mm-hmm. like even with my clients, I'm very open about like, Hey, this I've worked on before. Oh, this came in. Hey, not really familiar. Oh, I'm flying blind on this. Cause this is a new process for this, this retailer. And I am as trust- transparent as I can be, but yeah, I've, I've made mistakes I, on deals when I was working, um, I have a talent agency where I've messed up like numbers because there was a language barrier and me thinking like, you know, we use commas when it comes to like millions, they use period. So when it just, mm-hmm. there was a deal where I thought it was worth way more than it was. So I felt very embarrassed. Um, even working with a retailer, I ordered like the wrong amount of, it was like not fixtures, but I think it was like the wrong iPads that I ordered. Um, you know, not understanding terminology in the beginning, but you have to make these mistakes because that level, honestly, when you make mistakes, especially in, in front of other people, that level of embarrassment makes you make sure that you don't do it again. Right. Like, right. Make mistakes. But the most important point is don't do it
1: twice. This is true. And then making mistakes on a level where you're not like, where you're where you're obviously still supposed to be learning, right? Where... To make a mistake as maybe an entry level person and even an intern is, it's okay. You know what I mean? To get all those mistakes, I guess get all those mistakes out of the way. I mean, I beat myself up over mistakes too, but there, um, for anyone who may be listening that is, you know, under 25 or younger, who also has has that quarter life crisis because I definitely, definitely, that's relatable. I definitely identify with that. To know that, you know, you're not really supposed to have it all figured out right away and that this is the time where you make those mistakes. So yes, make them, learn them so that you don't, you know, repeat them. But yeah, that's I would uh, even
0: also say if you're 25 and older, like we can normalize making mistakes for that age demo too because you're going to make st- mistakes you're so in right. uncharted territory. So if you're 26 and you decided to start a business but maybe like you were a stockbroker before and you're now pivoting to be you have absolutely no idea what what you're doing in this industry but that fear of oh well I'm older and I should know better like you don't it's a new it's a new area and so you shouldn't I think that's also something with other working with like a bunch of different founders and, and people that are at various levels of leadership and mentorship, like when you have a team working underneath you, like the the one thing that I would hope anyone that's running a business and has people working for them is that you are graceful um, and ex- you allow and extend grace anyone working with you to make those mistakes. Obviously, there mm-hmm. are egregious ones that you can't make that might be fireable offenses, but right. other times like be uh, extend that grace to people that work for you because obviously they're not trying to be malicious in taking your business down but they're also learning
1: correct absolutely that's good advice so what's next for you
0: next is continuing to grow and um, working with as many clients as I can I've recently launched a uh E course platform called From Gray to Green, specifically for entrepreneurs who are looking to launch product based businesses. So it literally walks them through, like, here, get Shopify. Here's what you should do for shipping. Here's what you should think about um, and the questions you should ask your vendors. And then I also have a how to pitch a retailer course. So for next, it's, it's really leaning into my online school platform because there is only one of me to go around. So I can't necessarily take on as many clients one on one. But I still want to be of service to as many people as possible. And the school and having these courses allows me to do that.
1: Oh, my gosh. Those are great, great resources. That's amazing. All right. This is amazing. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? No, I like,
0: look, at anyone that's interested in uh, checking out uh, my company, grayscaledmedia.com and then from gray to green.com is where you can access the courses, but I appreciate you interviewing me and giving me a space to tell my story.
1: Absolutely. This is an amazing story <laughs> as that I can listen to you talk all day, like seriously. So thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to uh, get more about your career and, and you as a person. This was amazing. Thanks for listening to the CoLab Career Stories.
0: Follow us on social media at Join the CoLab and join us so you can tell your story.